Hey, it's Mathar. I just have a couple quick announcements before we dive into the episode. Um, first of all, this is actually our first official session prep. So the next few episodes, I'm sure things will be a little rough as we actually start to dive into how to do a one-hour session prep and eventually land on a format for the show. So bear with us because we're having a good time and that's what matters. Also, we do have a Twitch channel, and I think I mentioned that in the last episode, but I'll be mentioning it a lot because we run one-shots, some of which we prep right here on Dungeon Babies every other Sunday. That's twitch.tv slash catacombparty. And if you're listening to this episode the week that it comes out, then this coming Sunday will be a Jurassic Park-themed one-shot set in 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons that is going to be prepped by our guest DM, John Graham, who you will hear in the next episode so there's a bit of a connection and you can kind of see the thought processes that we have to work through in order to put things together quickly and that's what this show is all about is not saying we're great dms quite the opposite in fact that we have no idea what we're doing but we're here to learn so this is effectively a message to all aspiring players and dms that if we can do it anyone can so that is the lesson Dungeon Babies is made possible by Turigian Law. If you're seeking legal counsel or you're in a situation that you're not sure how to handle, Turigian Law just might be the answer for you. They offer a 30-minute consultation to assess your situation, and not every attorney is the right professional for the job. The great thing about Turigian Law is that there's no doublespeak, there's no confusing language, no upfront commitment. It's just 30 minutes with someone who wants to understand what you're going through and help you get to the next step. That's what this is all about. So stop sitting with the uncertainty and get the advice you need today. It's easy to get started. You just visit terigianlaw.com. That's T-O-R-I-G-I-A-N-L-A-W.com. Answer a few questions. Someone will follow up to schedule your consultation so that you can get the clarity you need to decide how you should proceed. So no matter the circumstances, we all deserve some peace of mind. Once again, that's T-O-R-I-G-I-A-N-L-A-W.com. Torigian Law. The advice you need, minus the bullshit. Oh, I deleted it. Shit. Why so, do you delete everything? I don't like what to look at my past with, mistakes. What do you? What is your deal with erasing everything that you I do? I like to hey, live in the moment. I put, in, I put in two hours worth of work on this, and then I just deleted it. I like to. I don't like to be <laughs> bogged down by the weight of the past, Mathar. I guess not. <laughs> it's fine i remember it <laughs> yeah do it for memory now and do it in a funny voice <clears throat> oh my god funny voice an interesting voice <clears throat> maybe like a like... and welcome to dungeon babies no <laughs> <laughs> that was i was actually into that like okay, all right cool <laughs> i'm not gonna lie <laughs> Welcome to Dungeon Babies, the <laughs> show where we talk about the evils of role-playing. <laughs> and welcome back to Dungeon Babies. <laughs> Once again, we're going to uncover the mysteries. All right, I'm going to try it like that. Same thing. <clears throat> yeah, <clears throat> this. All right. <clears throat> and welcome to Dungeon Babies, a show about two souls separated by both space and time, but connected by a love of fantasy role-playing games collective storytelling, and a sadistic desire to fuck with their players wherever they can. I'm Joshua Ramsey. I'm Mathar Dalio. And with that said, let's make a podcast. Dungeon Babies. 
Cool. I think, uh, let's keep I think we're just, ship it. Fuck it. Yeah. Man. Just fucking ship it. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Okay. We're prepping a session today. We're getting ready to do our first one hour sesh prep. So setting the timer now. We're 15 minutes into this recording and we've done jack shit. I was hoping if I kept stalling, I wouldn't have to prep a session. Yeah. So maybe we won't take us a whole hour, but let's say we'll give ourselves an hour. Um, Fair enough. All right. I don't know. Before we jump too deep into actually laying the groundwork, I wanted to warm up by just, I don't know. How did your D&D sesh go this week? All right. Yeah. So that was last night and it went really well, but... As we had kind of talked about, one of the reasons for doing this show and types of sessions and types of prep, uh, they didn't do anything that I had prepped at all. Yeah. So <laughs> we've gotten to a point where there were kind of a, a few different paths they could take. They they need info and they know like three different people who might have it. They don't know where they are, but they kind of have a spot to start looking for each. And instead, they went back to their house and dicked around. So like that session was kind of me knowing that I need to just be ready for anything and it was fun I like I was like all right well shit uh there, that kid you saved he's been living at your house taking care of it without your permission what are you guys gonna do and like it was fun to like go from there uh with with that but they like got all deep and in not into not trusting this like 12 year old who just like they saved his life and he like wants to be their squire now because he's 12 and they're cool. And they they like made him cry. They locked him in his room. <laughs> All this shit. And none of this was ever planned. Uh, that was an NPC that was never even supposed to talk. He was unconscious when they saved him. And I planned to leave it there. But, you know. Did you even give them a name? Uh, yeah. So the town is um purposefully like as cringily edgelord as possible. Oh, God. It's called Demodred. And oh, uh, God. his name is already. Xandar. <laughs> it fucking would be. Yeah. It fucking would uh, be Xandar. And his, he has a brother named Zayden. <laughs> <laughs> the leader of the town's name is Blade. And he talks like Jared Leto in a movie. <laughs> so. God, I never really considered how Jared Leto talks. I guess just like I tune it out so yeah. vehemently that like. There's a lot of pauses and eye contact and it sounds like whatever he's saying, at least in his mind, is the most important thing that's ever been said. But it's heavy. <laughs> you know, it's weird. But as you're doing that impression, I'm looking at you and realizing you bear a resemblance to Jared Leto. Uh, it's it's not. Have you gotten it before? Yeah, no. I bear a slight resemblance to my brother who bears a strong resemblance to Jared Leto. There you go. So like yeah, CJ really I'm looks- a Jason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. CJ looks like Jared Leto if he didn't get enough nutrients in the womb and then did a lot of meth. <laughs> so, love you, brother. Isn't that Jared Leto now? Like <laughs> yeah, <I guess. laughs> Jared Leto with stunted growth. <laughs> and and Gucci. And a uh, lack of Gucci. Oh uh, stunted growth and a lack of Gucci. He's like like Nega Leto. Like yeah. <laughs> Leto from like a grungy different world <laughs> negaletto dude okay write that down bbeg negaletto <laughs> negaletto i don't hate that as a like you wouldn't know you wouldn't know <laughs> just smush it together and it becomes yep. one great fantasy name yep oh shit there's i'm adding that to my notes for my campaign actually right this goddamn second mm-hmm 
Should we make yeah. a session? <laughs> Let's do it, dude. Uh, all right. So today, what's going to happen is I've created some tables. I created many. Just should, should I have dice for this? No, this is a podcast about uh, tax reform and uh, capitalism. Oh, is is this Inquisitor's Review Society? This is Inquisitor's Review Society, where we talk uh, inquisitively about uh, the future of um, economy and um, uh, and 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 America and uh, perfect keeping keep uh, uh, society. We live in a society. We do live in a society. So. Um, <laughs> today on t- today today on society. Today uh, on we live in a society. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I've rolled a number of tables. Okay, uh, how many tables? It shall remain unsaid. But okay. <laughs> I have them for many. You don't want me instances. to just go. That's too many tables. I'll I'll see you later. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you how many tables I made, but I have them for many different scenarios. Now, I had a hard time being as like interesting and creative as I thought I could be. Right. Uh, like when I set out to do this, I was like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to just totally fuck with Josh and this is going to be hilarious. Yeah. And then it just ended up being really normal. <laughs> so well, that's when I look back at it, I'm like, wow, this is pretty normal. I but think we'll see where we take it. I think it's good to start a little bit normal because yeah. I have a feeling this is if I'm making the tables next time, I'm going to see what you do, get an idea of kind of how yeah. this flows. And I think it's just going to turn into a game of one upping how much we fuck with each other. So we, we should start a little small, you know? I agree. And so I've got, um, I basically just got kind of a, a rough template of things that need to be done in order to consider a session sort of prepped. I guess we'll just, it's prepped when we feel like, all right, we have a beginning, middle and end. Like we know who the players are. We know what they're going after. We've got a story hook or two to get them into it. And then if it feels done, it's done. But, uh, here's the rule. And this is like really the only rule is that, <laughs> okay. As we go down this list, you can choose if your like gut is pointing you in a direction, or you can roll the dice. If you roll the dice, you have to you have to use what it have lands to take on. the landing. All right, you have to take the result unless it's like already like unless it's like a reroll or something like that. But yeah, okay, I'm in. Okay, I'm ready to go. Beautiful. All right. So the first thing in my list is the I guess the genre, the theme. And okay. uh, I've got six choices. I've got a D6 table for that if you want to roll it. Yeah, let's uh, let's, roll that? Uh, let's get the early stuff rolled, and then I can start building from there. That's a four. A four. You are, uh, we're prepping a comedy today. A comedy. Perfect. Fucking yeah. perfect. All right. You see, I think the best way I can prep a comedy is by trying to prep a serious political intrigue session and then giving it to my players that that tends to be <laughs> the best way no i can right, do this so, all right okay cool so so what are what are the thoughts that come to mind right away like have you ever done like a straight comedic session i before? i certainly most of my sessions have been straight comedic but usually it's not what i set out to do um i would say the most comedic session i've ever done dming I don't know about the most, but most recent comedic session I've ever done DMing. There was a town that our our party went to 
and uh, it was kind of a just an information gathering, getting to know the town session. And the whole thing centered around them just constantly running into a crazy old man who was obsessed with the idea that this grove that all these towns are in that they're going to is being ran by cultists and he's insane and he's just like walking around and he's like ah they're all cultists and they want your blood and they're gonna take your daughters and just like weird shit like that yeah. and by the end of it they learn that he's totally right um oh. <laughs> so that was that's a fun a session right there but yeah exactly so that, that's probably twist. the fir- first one we're like and he would pop up in the weirdest fucking places that that was fun but I mean, even like I said earlier on, I had an entire town that we ran a couple sessions in that was just like as purposefully cringily edgelord as possible. So I try and bring a little bit of comedic um, influence to all my sessions. Well, I think if we figure out the the characters' goals, like what the what the goal of the adventure is, and what possible story hooks we'll use to get them into it, okay. I think I, those three things together will probably challenge you a little bit. So I certainly have an idea for where this could go as far as writing something that's a straight up comedic session. But uh, let's 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 get let's dive a little further into these tables and notes that you have, and then I'll okay. start to. So grab a D ten. D ten. All right. Roll it. Where are you at? D ten. There you are. Another four. Okay, the goal of this mission is uh, revenge. Revenge. That is the goal right. of the of the adventure or the session. I, it's it's all coming together. Uh, okay. So, w- at what point do I just break out of these tables and start a? No, let's let's do another one. Let's do another table. Uh, okay. So the next table would be a prompt to get you started on. Not it wouldn't give you the story hook. The way the way I looked at it is, I would give you a prompt that would allow you to create like the the hook, right? Okay. But it's just yes. like the starting point of it. So do you want to roll? That's a d six. If you want to roll that, let's let's roll this one, and then I think I might have enough info. Okay, roll a d six. Three. It's a matter of grim necessity. Shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> A matter of grim necessity that that yeah. does throw a curveball into yeah. a comedic <laughs> session about revenge, <laughs> and it's grimly necessary. Um, all right, uh, so in the in the scheme of fantasy comedy, I think one of the funniest things I've ever seen that works well for a D and D party is from Avatar: The Last Airbender. Mm-hmm. And that is the Ember Island Players episode. Oh, God. Yeah. So good. So my thoughts originally before I got that last one was maybe doing a session where our party comes into town and they see that there's a play and it's that just certain things about it are intriguing because it seems eerily similar and they go and it's a play about themselves, but it's very unflattering. And the quest could be because nobody believes that they're actually the people from this play that the play is about the quest could be them trying to infiltrate the play and destroy the playwright for uh besmirching their good names uh full-on oceans 11 style play heist where they have to you know they have to get cast as parts or 
hired on as stagehands. I love it. I'm trying to figure out how that's of... Well, a matter of grim necessity is just part of the story hook. So it could be they came there as a matter of grim necessity, thinking one of them or somebody was going to die if they didn't take this mission. Okay. There's a sense of like impending doom or pressure that involves death. Yeah. If the story hook is a matter of grim necessity, (laughs) I think there's someone in the town that summons them there. In a way that seems in, incredibly pressing and urgent and world-ending. But the real reason they've summoned them there is because they're actual fans of this party and they don't like this play. And they're like the obsessive fan that writes fan fiction about them and shit. Yeah. You know? And they knew that if they just wrote and they're like, hey, there's a play about you guys and I love you so much. You need to stop it. They wouldn't have come. So they're like, hey, someone's trying to summon a demon lord. In my town, will you come save us? You're the only okay. ones left. They send out the letter. Our party thinks it is a, this town is going to die tomorrow if we don't go do something about it. An entire town wiped off the map. They arrive. They find the person who wrote the letter. And there are hand-drawn posters of the party all over their bedroom. There are stacks of uh, scrolls and things detailing yeah. their exploits, fan fiction, um, so the, they got- cosplay. Dealing with a stand. <laughs> exactly. And it, they are just like incredibly obsessive, letting them know that there's this play that's destroying their good name and that it won't stand. I love this. I love where it's going. You'll probably want to think of a backup hook. Okay. I've so, in which kidnapped, if this person is truly as big of a stand and as obsessive as I want to make them out to be, they would probably know a lot of personal information about these characters so maybe it's yes. like a threatening letter i have your daughter you know? <laughs> right and then they get there and it's just it's a just, super fan exactly who is not gonna let this play exist and i think what we could do with it even i think uh this could go the direction where they decide that they get they go see the play and they decide this play needs to be destroyed and they team up with this guy and he, this character has a few ideas and a plan and they hatchet and they all get hired on they do this heist style thing to destroy this play and besmirch the fucking playwright or if they don't want to then it becomes uh like misery you know nice yeah so the bad guy's either the playwright or the obsessive fan like at the end of the day the fan does know about your daughter and does know where she is or whatever the threat is you know sure and what began as a letter that was untruthful just to get your attention starts becoming the actual mission. Yeah, there we go. I think that's a pretty good uh, setup to an adventure. Yeah. You So just to recap, we've got uh, a threatening letter that is enticing the party to a city. They discover a play has been written about their escapades that uh, is less than flattering, and they meet the person who penned this letter, who actually happens to be a stan of theirs, (laughs) hellbent on getting this play shut down, right? And so then it turns into a comedic heist of sorts to uh a comedy you know, and, and you'll have you to will. think about those interactions right like what once they actually meet the npc what are those elements that it what what keeps them from saying whoa okay this is kind of this is a little much like we don't give a shit about like 
this play or, you know what I mean? Like what it'd have to be really, really unflattering, or maybe there'd have to be something at the end of that, that mission okay, that pushes so them to go to the lengths that they need to. to what, if, what if the letter or the play has to be very unflattering and it's going to work best with prideful characters. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to definitely build the play and, and what is bad about the play around what you know are the most sensitive spots, both for your characters and the people who play them. You have to, you have to ruin some friendships for this one. I think Um, with that said, maybe the letter is like, if you ever want to see such and such again, meet me at this theater at this time. And you go and it's like the start of the play. Like they're, they're they walk, they the have play. to watch the they whole have to thing. go and they're like looking for the person, but the play starts and they realize it's them. And they're like, okay, what the fuck exactly. And that's, uh, okay. I wanted to get to this point and ask you, how do you present the play to them? Do you, uh, do you improv their characters <laughs> and their voices like poorly so or do you is, have, what are your there, ideas about presenting? <laughs> there it? is a play session that I did not DM that wasn't um wasn't like this it wasn't unflattering it was just very fun it's one of this my, my favorite sessions i've ever played as a player and i got to give a shout out to a uh, favorite terrain dm john graham for coming up with this one a long long time ago in a home game he wrote out portions of a script for each character and then gave them to other people that don't play that character and then made them play the That's actor awesome. who was playing the character. So then I think you get this personal side, if, especially if it's an unflattering play where, yes, I could just act the whole thing out in front of you. But now your buddy is pretending to be this shitty, unflattering version of you right in your face across the table. And that's uh, going to sting right right there in the actual real human heart. So, yeah, I think I think uh, you write out script portions of the play and then leave room for improv as well but just the most unflattering parts of the script and you describe the play direction you describe the sets and the movement and the narration of the play but then you point at the person and they read their next line in the script and then you continue narrating Mm -hmm. what's happening in the play and then you point to the next person and they read their part and they each only have their own portions so they don't know where this is all going but it just gets increasingly terrible and just mocking relentless mocking of the party and all of their worst attributes uh just exemplified (laughs) you know what you could do as well is uh not you know not include character names yes but uh have the dialogue that they're reading off and then as they're each reading you maybe you feed them the dialogue one sheet at a time one little piece of paper at a time and they start realizing it's about them it's about them yeah exactly so by the end of it they've been doing that you you give (laughs) the stage direction that tells them to do it in a very like shitty voice like you know do this as a whiny pathetic you know so they're playing each other really poorly and by but the I end think of the session of they me, realize you know, how much they put into it i'm not going to out loud say whiny and pathetic it'll be a note on their paper that only they yeah. can see yeah, then, yeah. Um, i think also ending the play with like their brutal deaths at the hand of the big bad evil guy and the crowd cheers and wow okay and then there, there's just no way I've never met a single D&D player that doesn't at least have a tinge of murder hobo in them. There's no way anyone's going to let it's, that slide. It's who plays right this into game. the surface. It's right. Yeah. It's always just like I've met waiting a lot to that be extracted. want so badly to be the white knight hero type 
and there's always a way to bring out the inner murder hobo. And if this isn't that way, I don't, I don't know what is. On our last episode, I was talking about how I don't DM for murder hobos, but then in our last session, <laughs> I think I pushed them a little far with the interactions. They had been like letting every NPC live, and things weren't really going the way that they wanted. And then they had two particularly nasty NPCs, two uh, half orcs that were or hobgoblins that were essentially there to clean up this site and were spraying them with acid and all this shit. And they got really frustrated. The rogue in the party got really frustrated and slit one's throat and then killed the other one when they wouldn't really answer any questions. And I made the other NPC that they were with, who was like a former like ruffian and pivoted to being an upstanding member of society. And he was just sort of like, whoa, I was thinking <laughs> about working for you guys. And this is a little intense. I think I'm going to head back if you don't need me anymore. And it really, really rubbed them the wrong way. The fact oh, that this NPC <laughs> was treating them like murder hobos, they were like a really defensive. It turned into this like very interesting sort of introspective session about like are we murder hobos <laughs> did we did we need to kill this person they totally I, uh, <laughs> did need to kill that person but like i played it in a way where like that's great a, a, an observer a casual observer would be like whoa i don't fuck? want any trouble i think i'm gonna see myself <laughs> that's fantastic i i probably need to do some of that my group hasn't been super murder hobo-y but i also w when we made our characters and i made this campaign it it wasn't mm -hmm very heroic from the get-go so I'll, I'll probably need to make them consider their actions at some point a reckoning comes for us all yes all right so we've we've got a nice setup here um we're, we're dealing with a comedy we've got a goal which is uh revenge i guess you kind of worked revenge in there it, whose revenge is it is it now, the players on the the writer yeah, of this play i believe and is the big bad the person who wrote the play and is it like they are they who's smearing them and why let's talk about the the big bad so i think i want to build this in the kind of way where you could put it in any campaign so the big bad could be essentially anyone and they just kill them at the end of the play the play is about your particular party's exploits you work in as much of your particular party's past uh past endeavors uh character types everything and then it's your big bad evil guy at the end of the play who kills them. However, the person that wrote it, we have to get a little more specific with, but I still want it to fit into almost any story. So I think that this is a person that somehow, and I don't I want to leave it open-ended enough, but I also want it to be crisp enough, somehow lost something or everything or was done dirty by your party way in the past and is also kind of obsessively been keeping up with your exploits. I see okay. this yeah. whole thing as fifth level minimum so that you've done a lot. You have your party's name. They're, yeah. they're getting to be known out in the world. I'd say this is more of like a seventh to 10th level um, exploit mid campaign exploit where you're not gods yet, but you've definitely made a name for yourself. And if you have any party that's made it to seventh level without in at least having things that you as a DM could feasibly see butterflying effect to fuck someone oh, yeah. over. You're not playing D and D. So <laughs> yeah. if you're listening to this and you end up liking the adventure and you want to use it, if your adventure is a low level, 
keep it in your back pocket and pull it out at a time where exactly. it makes sense. Okay, so this doesn't necessarily have to involve a big bad, right? A big right. bad is maybe like a an arc ending sort of encounter, whereas like for this, it's side quest territory. So we're really talking about just major villain, right? So major antagonist of this adventure is the playwright pretty much right exactly. that sort of of this yeah. it's the playwright um, or the super fan depending on if your characters want to destroy this play or not right and it could end up being a twist in that way um also maybe the challenges of taking down someone who is a law-abiding citizen <laughs> yes are more nuanced than Definitely. like well i go in there and 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 bash them up right like uh, yeah no you can't assault's not going to be okay here you this is a well-respected, very influential. Uh, yeah, it, this is this is a guy who's known for his plays, and people really like this play and this playwright in this town. Or, or yeah, a... this is guy guy as in the uh, the gender neutral uh, California slang of guy. That's right. We're from California. Excuse yeah, us. Sorry, we uh, everything's a guy or a dude. So. Californians, man, we're the worst. All right, so moving this forward then, uh, I think we need to think about where the climax is going to be of this story. You can talk about that now, or we can work through some of the general or specific settings of the adventure that lead up to that climax. Where do you want to start? I have some ideas for the climax. I think once you have infiltrated the play and you make everything go wrong and everything kind of goes to plan, the person, your big fan, has a bit too extreme of ideas towards the end. You know, maybe he wants something to happen that leaves the playwright dead. Maybe it's poison or something like that. And your party will learn about it. And you'll have the option to allow the murder to happen and then face the consequences of an investigation and the law. Or what I think is you should kind of as a DM try and push your characters towards a little bit is being like whoa we just agreed to you know ruin his career we didn't necessarily agree to kill him i think your super fan we've already established writes all this fan fiction and is very involved is a rival playwright whose life was destroyed by this man or person and you kind of in that moment are like have to try and stop this murder from happening from this unstable super fan that summoned you here who at this moment would definitely be revealed to be of some sort of combat prowess for some reason probably a spellcaster would be my guess an unstable sorcerer natural spellcaster type person giving players agency they can believe the stan completely discredit and ruin the playwright and or allow them to be killed, I guess, murdered, yeah, right? Exactly. So that's a possibility. And I'm, you'll have to like, you know, explain those mechanics a little bit more in detail. But in general, that's a choice. Or they can distrust the stand, eventually revealing and finding out that like, okay, while this play is unflattering, uh, we realize that the true villain or antagonist in this scenario is yeah. actually the stan but it sort of lessens the impact of like oh we wronged this playwright that's why they wrote such a shitty play about us but maybe that is the red herring right they think that exactly the playwright is the main antagonist because of oh well we fucked them over we just figured that out and that's why they're doing this yeah uh so they're all set up for this encounter with the playwright then realizing 
the true nature of their partnership their partnership yeah yeah Yeah, definitely that's the the person who has hired them right that's kind of what i was thinking is um if you do get to the point where there's any sort of climax between you and the playwright themselves if it comes to combat or anything like that it's not a competition at all It, it is that kind of that red herring you think this playwright is all in all the bad guy and i have a rule not rule, but just a general thing I like to do with my own sessions, and that's no truly good guys. You just got a lot of people doing a lot of things for good and bad reasons at the same sure. time. So the playwright's is kind of a bad dude. He did ruin the career of this this stan of you guys. He is besmirching your good name. You did kind of ruin his life in some roundabout way in the past, but the intent is just, you know, uh, tabloid type stuff rather than him actually trying to have you killed. It's It's an unflattering play, and it should probably you should probably do something about it, but um, he's not actively trying to kill you. Whereas your super fan is on the brink uh, between love and murder at any moment, kind of a thing. Um, I love you so much that I have to kill you, type of stuff. What's in the box? You know? Yeah. What's so. in the box? So I think for me, there's two possible endings. One is a an epic face off with the super fan yes or the takedown of this play maybe the death of the playwright a misplaced uh, mistaken identity almost right like in like this playwright does hate you your party vehemently but uh you know is not like an evil right they think they've taken down someone that's much worse because of the lies that have been planted right they've been framed to be someone that they're not and so when the battle ends kind of like quickly and 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 maybe you complicated in some ways by it taking place like the location the climax could be on stage right yeah and they have like the rigging to contend with and they can utilize that's a lot of fun the the terrain that's that's some mechanics i want to work with Yeah. yeah but then the cool thing about it ending on that note is while maybe they, one, they never realized who the super fan truly is and there are repercussions to the, that, that sort of extend beyond this side quest, right? Later on, maybe the magistrate of that village or that township or wherever they are has a bounty out for them because they murdered their most beloved playwright exactly. or, okay. or did something horrible. I got it. I got an idea here. At the end of the play, we know that the playwright goes out and takes a bow on stage, no matter what, whether it was good or bad. He's done this every play he's ever written, every performance. We don't necessarily know this as a party going in, but at some point we do realize, like right before it's about to happen, you see that super fan up there about to drop some sort of heavy chandelier or something on the playwright and kill him. If you stop it, that's whenever your super fan loses his fucking mind mm-hmm. because he's been planning this for a long time, this revenge, this sweet, sweet revenge. And that's whenever that fight happens on stage in front of the crowd, you have a crowd evacuation to deal with. You have the playwright up in the, or not the playwright, the super fan up in the rafters. You've got ropes and bags that you can <laughs> up and down with. You got a lot of fun stuff that you could work out mechanically on stage. That's if you save the playwright, if you allow the playwright to die, then you look up and your super fan is gone. You are the main suspect. There are guards here. And now you're facing jail time, arrest, anything like that. 
and it becomes a completely different type of climax of imprisonment and escape. And I think giving your players the opportunity to escape, right? Like that's how you run the ending is like, oh, you realize now that you're going to be, you know, implicated in this murder and they have to fight their way out of that situation. Okay, maybe (laughs) up until this point, if you do allow the playwright to die, the the fan has no reason to not still want to help you guys. You're arrested, you're kind of loaded up into, if assuming you don't kill all of the guard of a town and the people that are trying to stop you, um, which if you do, those are your own implications as a DM you're going to have to work in. That's a whole other hour-long planning session. But uh, should you, uh, you know, allow yourselves to be taken to explain yourselves and go through that whole thing, you'll be loaded up into uh, essentially a caged wagon to be mm-hmm. taken to a holding cell where you will face a trial. However, whenever you get in that wagon, you see dressed as a guard driving the wagon is your super fan. And you're like, sweet, he's getting us out. Except he takes you back to his place with the wagon. The wagon goes into like a cave type thing that's attached to his house that you don't realize. (laughs) And now you're going to live with him forever because he loves you so much. You're going to live in this cage. His, his, grandest trophies and i think that kind of puts us it takes away a little bit of agency because no matter what you're fighting the super fan at the end yeah but i like the idea that no matter what you're fighting the super fan at the end because you can build a really cool encounter where you either fight him on stage or you fight him in this weird uh obsession cave of knickknacks and things from your party's past and back cave style too so the terrain can be you know there can be bridges over water and uh different levels to it cool okay so you're fighting this spellcaster that is your super fan on stage and everyone in the audience thinks it's part, it's of, part the play, of the play <laughs> except someone who reports it and says there's violence in this play they still think it's play. Right. this is way too violent for children <laughs> i'm reporting this the local law enforcement shows up and tries to stop it while it's going on and and there's just all this like chaos and confusion yes. that could lead to a lot of like nice um comedic role play if you do end up defeating your super fan on stage without leaving that area I do think that it's only appropriate that it be in stone that it ends with silence from the crowd and then raucous applause, standing ovation, (laughs) the curtains close (laughs) and uh, you have a chance where now people just still think this is about a play. They don't realize that you just murdered a guy. The curtains are closed. You have a chance to get the fuck out of town. So, and then your second inning is uh, if you do nothing, right? It doesn't lead to the altercation there. You watch the play happen. At the end of the play, the playwright dies, and that's part of the whole plot to take it down. This, it is. Is, a, this is a complex story, and, and there's a lot of moving parts. So simplifying it a little bit, uh, we've got the story hook. They show up to the town. So what are the other settings that lead up to that? I mean, obviously, you've got – I mean, is this a big city? Is it a small town, like a hamlet? What, what do you got? I, I see this as like a, um, a small but affluential town. Okay. Not, you know, it's not a little village. Maybe people travel from far away to see these plays. Yeah. To me, this is like a vacation town type thing. This is where, you know, maybe not so many people live here, but this is a destination that people will go to. It's known for its theater. Okay. And this playwright's known all all around and people come here just to see his plays. And that's really what this town is built up around. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's near a big city, but it's 
out of the way a little bit, really pretty, really um, exclusive. Rich people equals heavy, well-trained guard presence, which is nice should an altercation come about. Sort of like a gated community. Yeah, it's like a gated community version of sort of Broadway. Yeah, you've got a well-known playwright. So again, the impressing upon the players that like anything they do to this person is going to probably be immediately met with derision. Yeah, and I, I'll, I'll add this out there for anybody listening. Should you back pocket this session the way it was suggested before, is assuming you have a lower level party and you want to build them up a little before throwing it at them, I would suggest sprinkling this playwright's name and maybe other plays and things like that into your world, into your campaign leading up to this moment. So this is a well-known playwright, even to your players, but they've never written a play about you before. That way, you know that this play that is very unflattering, if you allow it to happen, it's going to be all over the continent in a week. Let's say you're picking this up as like some downtime mission that uh, you want to throw at your players while you prep the next arc of your campaign and you haven't you know, had this in your back pocket. Even if your players are a little too like inexperienced to really warrant the fact that there's a play written about them, just the very fact that it's someone they have wronged in their past. Yes, it's enough. It's enough. And let's say that the play is famous because they make bangers, right? This is oh, yeah. somebody who's well-known for this is, writing amazing comedies and, and this is a, dramedies. A bizarro world uh, kind of evil version of Lin-Manuel Miranda. Right. This guy <laughs> can this guy fucks like he makes good shit. It's just yeah, his intentions are aren't great. Yeah. <laughs> and and so the players just hearing about it like, hey, you hear advertise you re- you see a flyer on a community board on a posting somewhere that uh, details uh, an incredible new play that's happening a few towns over from where you are. The characters in the story seem oddly familiar and their names just changed a little bit, a little bit. I think that it's less that the names are the same, but just the layout of the party is similar to theirs being like, do you think this is about us? But the names are different, right? And Mm -hmm. perhaps the names, if you want to take the time as a DM to do so, can be deep dives of insults that have been said to a specific character in the past. (laughs) Should you have notes for that? Uh, Things like that. That Yeah, there's a lot you can do with it. it. You can get as deep or as kind of surface level as you want with it, which is Mm -hmm. nice, which is why I don't want to overly detail the small things. I want to leave that open to you and your party. That's true. Yeah. So as you're prepping this, you can sprinkle in stuff that makes it feel like yours. But we have the broad strokes here. So uh, they arrive in the city. Are you going to sprinkle in any other encounters or or interesting settings uh, leading up to the climax? I I think if we did, it it should be things that are optional. Do you want to stretch this out? If you want this to be like more of a single session or a one shot downtime thing, you arrive with the letter, you're given tickets to the play and the threatening letter says, meet me at this location. You go there, you Mm -hmm. realize it's a play. It ends up being about you. At the end of the play, the person who sent you the letter meets up with you, explains that they haven't actually kidnapped a person important to you. They just really needed you to come see this play because they're your biggest fan and they take you back to their place and show you and they're like, we can't let this happen. If you want to extend that, it can say, meet me at this location, but there's no tickets included with the note and it's sold out and you have to get in there to save this person you think is kidnapped. So now you have a first mission of 
do you sneak in? Do you okay. try and get a ticket off of somebody? Do you steal it from mm-hmm. somebody coming in? Do you you can add in? You know, it's not a full encounter, but it's it's a new problem, and that can give a lot of role play opportunities, some creative problem solving. But if you want to skip that altogether because you want the session to go faster, you can take that right out and just include the tickets with the letter. I highly encourage if you have players with any sort of defining markings or like a tattoo or anything like that. I mean, we're already stealing so much from the Ember Islands episode of Avatar The Last Airbender. Your players will hate it to have people constantly tell them that their costume is wrong in some way. No, his <laughs> tattoo's on the other side. Good good cosplay, but his his like tattoo is supposed to be on his left arm. You have right. it on your right. You're an idiot. And they're like, no, like I'm him. I'm the, I'm the guy. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it will drive them insane. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a good opportunity to do that. I think the, the comedy is derived from how much you fuck with your players in this I session. Think that's, I think that's what all comedy is derived from is how much yeah. I can make my friends turn on each other. <laughs> <laughs> that's your specific flavor. Oh yeah. Okay. How do you feel? Are you ready to run this session? The only things that I don't have ready to run this session are stat blocks for certain things, but I like the idea that there's not definitive stat blocks made. Sometimes I think when we do these, we should get those definitive stat blocks. But for this one, I want it to be something you can easily drag and drop spellcaster stat blocks to fit whatever level your party might be. So really the only stat blocks that you probably need to spend a little extra time on are your main antagonist maybe the playwright but i mean most of that stuff is pretty like yeah standard i would say your main antagonist is one you definitely want to make sure is leveled to be a difficult but not impossible encounter you don't want to tpk your party on this session <laughs> this one should be one that's more fun and less savage whenever it comes to combat but i do think having it be challenging enough to really warrant a victory whenever you do end this the only other things that I think are going to take some creative stat blocking are just how do you want to build out the stage to make it an interesting and involved battle map? You know, how are you going to add layers? How are you going to add things that are more involved with it? And then also the cave, should it go that direction of this super fan? Again, like, I don't know if I want to make all those stat blocks on our own because. No, I want people no, to be able course. to drop this into their setting and make this yeah. theater as interesting on their own as possible. But I do think that it's something that's important to say. Your combat's going to live and die based on how interesting your terrain is. So make sure that whenever you're making this, spend your time on building out that super fan, uh, their stats, their characteristics, making the playwright hateable, and then making both the theater and the cave interesting combat locations and then on top of that anytime you have left should just be finding whatever way you can really upset your characters in that play that's that's the bread and butter of this session so uh the only other things you might want to consider are whether or not you're going to have any kind of chase scene which i think could happen if the players are implicated in the murder and you decide not to go with the sort of kidnapped and taken back to the lair or if they try to run which could be a good time to implement something like a skills challenge which not every player enjoys or every group enjoys. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Secret weaknesses are fun. Something they can use to take them down in the end. Definitely. Conditions that complicate the play. Uh, things like time limits, coping with a curse, 
you know, those are elements that could twist the story or the gameplay a little bit toward the end. If they get through that first part really, really fast and you want to like throw in some things or even a cruel trick, right? Like heroes having to work with the person they hate, right? Having to work with the playwright yes, to, in order to take down the super fan could be something. They spend this entire session hating this person and then have to work with them in the end. Like, you know, I almost feel like less to take down the super fan in the end, but I think earlier on, whenever you're trying to destroy the play, building it out in a way where you have to infiltrate this play, you have to get hired, you know? You have to be on the inside, you have to be on stage. So you're gonna have to talk to this guy and charm your way into this play and pretend like, you love their work and you love this play. And I think you can really push that from like a role play standpoint of like, oh, what's your favorite part in the interview? You know, and now you have to tell him how much you love that part. That was just the worst thing in the world for you to hear and really keep pushing those questions, you know? Oh, and did you like the portrayal of? And then you say the character that represents your character. Yeah, you know, that was that was great. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I love him because he's such a fucking idiot type of thing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, isn't he the fucking worst? And I like the idea that somehow you've kind of ruined this playwright's life, but the level of damage to your player's pride that's going to happen when even the playwright doesn't recognize them is fantastic, I think. I agree. And beyond the interactions they're going to have with the playwright, think about some simple role play opportunities with the audience. Yes. If they happen to want to question any of the audience or talk to any of the audience members about it, you know, have a couple NPCs that you can pull out of your pocket really quick. People that work in the town, like shop owners or people that are, you know, everybody's uh, talking about the play. Everybody's yeah, talking exactly. about it. Exactly. You know? So like as the the next day when they're trying to come hatch a plot to like take this down and maybe they're like going and and trying to pull down posters and someone sees them pulling down posters for the play. You know, there's a lot of opportunities to inject interesting characters that add texture to the city. And it only takes like a handful, maybe two or three at most, to provide enough textural background noise to make the city or the township feel really rich. And I think um, posters is something interesting you just brought up. Whenever you first get to the town before you go to the play, maybe sprinkling in within the description posters for this play you're going to, that as of the first description are vague enough to where you're players don't make the connection maybe it's individual posters posted around town of each character but you describe you know maybe you have this brooding half-elf rogue in your party and you just describe like this fucking terrible caricature of an elf that's sad that you know is wearing all this eye makeup and <laughs> when they realize it's them <laughs> later when they realize it's them they're gonna hate that poster so much <laughs> this is great so okay bringing it all home what are you gonna call this thing what are you gonna name it <sighs> i think i'm gonna name it hmm uh, do you have any ideas? Cause <laughs> shit, you really, you really sprung that on me and I knew it was coming. Yeah. We yeah. talked about it. You said, I always name, I always, always do name my, uh, my sessions or my adventure, my quests. What, uh, what ideas do you got any, or do I have to do it? No, you don't have to do it. I mean, I'll do it. I'll fucking Let's name see. it. Um, something like, <clears throat> I guess it would be like the name of the play. And so it would kind of depend on your characters a little bit, but like, no, I got it. I got the name. It's just the sincerest form of flattery. Yes. The sincerest form of flattery is the name of this quest. That works. Yeah. All right. So 
now we, what do we do here? Do we actually write this out or? I think it could be fun as we make these. We'll see how much work it ends up being, but I could go back through this, listen through and try and actually make like a one sheet of the sincerest form of flattery. Just write out those bullet points, right? Write like out those each bullet thing points. that they need and then they can do the rest. Throw in some suggestive stat blocks for certain things and then allow that allow for tweaking or leveling, scaling, cool. if you will. Yeah. yeah. And then we can like post that up somewhere right. on uh, our website that we don't have yet, but we'll get but there. We will. <laughs> yes. Well, shit, I think we made a session. You receive a threatening letter, get invited to a play. The play happens to be about you. And it's not flattering. You realize that the person who sent the intimidating letter it faked the whole thing, is actually a super fan of yours, does not like your good name being besmirched, has a plan to take down the playwright and ruin his career, uh, will convince you to do so. You go through a heist where you have to get hired on as actors and stagehands and whatever else it may be. Um, you join the play. You go through this whole thing trying to ruin the play at every turn as it's doing its official opening night. Perhaps you, the tickets that you get originally are to preview night and it's officially opening night and you need it to go as terribly as possible and ruin the perfect record of this well-known playwright. Uh, turns out that this super fan of yours is planning to kill the playwright at the end. You can save him or you can allow it to happen. Should you save him, you will fight the super fan who is so obsessive and actually is a playwright of his own who has had his career ruined by this playwright and a fight ensues on stage. The crowd thinks it's part of the play and it ends with a standing ovation. Should you allow him to die, you are arrested. The super fan gets you out of there in the back of a paddy wagon. Uh, you think that you've been rescued until he takes you to his secret cave of things that he keeps that are about you and you're going to be his greatest trophies for the rest of your life. And yeah, that a fight happens in the cave. And either way, the sincerest form of flattery is a session you too can play. Bravissimo. That was fantastic. I can't wait to run a session like this. Uh, oh, yeah. I I'm I'll for do sure it someday, using I'm sure. It. Yeah. Yeah. And if you end up using this, please let us know and uh, let us know what you changed and what worked, what didn't, how it was broken, how it was great, or send us hate mail for ripping off Avatar The Last Airbender, whatever you want to do. I love hate mail. It's the only mail I get. Thank you guys so much for listening. My name is Mather DeLeon. You can find me on social media at Mather DeLeon. Yeah, I'm Joshua Ramsey. Uh, you can find me on social media at Josh is the worst, but it's with a U like a sausage. You can also follow us at Catacomb Party on any social media platform. And uh, sooner or later, we'll have a website and we'll link all that stuff in the comments. I also want to give a shout out to Donjon. It's a website you can use to generate a random adventure. There are lots of sites that generate random stuff for you, but it's one of my favorites. It's well made. I don't think it's been updated in a long time. But, you know, there are a lot of people making this kind of stuff online and we anytime we borrow something from them to help us make this show, we'll, of course, point you in that direction. So everybody wins. Uh, again, you can follow us at twitch.tv slash catacomb party where you may see some of these ideas we present take the form of one shots that we run every other Sunday. Also, uh, shout out to the DM of Favorite Terrain, John Graham, for essentially being what I stole this idea from way back when in a home campaign. But I do want to just say... A lot of this idea came from that man's fucked up mind. So, Hey, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, right? Exactly. <laughs> I've been Dungeon. I've been Davey. And remember that it's all imagination. Imagination.
is it? Catacomb climate. 